Good morning, Chapel in Richmond, Scott's Edition, all the men and women in jail. We love you today. Tell the person next to you, I'm glad you're here. Come on, tell them, I'm glad you're here. You can be seated. Well, we're in a series uh, on the Beatitudes. I can't wait to tell you about that in just a second. But want to look in the camera at the back of the room and say good morning to the Chaplain Richmond Scott's Edition. Got to hang out with you guys in person last weekend at 9:30. What an incredible spirit in the life of our church in the city. Pray for you every day. Believe what God's doing in the heart of our city. Love you guys. And of course, men and women in Chesterfield County Jail. We're planning our baptism for August, so we can't wait to be in there with you all coming up next month. And then, uh, and then of course, Virginia Department of Corrections. We love you all. Pray for you. It's a joy and honor to bring uh, the life of our church to you. Well, how's everybody doing today? Good? Well, hey, I want to give you a quick update and then a quick announcement. This will be really fun today. Just wanted to pause and say a huge thank you to you. If you're new here, we started something about a year ago called Next. Everybody say Next. It was to make more space for what God's doing in the life of our church. And, and it, uh, people are our heart. Jesus is our message. It was never about buildings. But we were limited with facility. And so we started the process of, uh, of generosity, which you all have been amazing at. Thank you for that. And uh, I just want you to know, um, we, we're building a new auditorium in this gravel lot. So you can see some of the gutter and some of the site work, planning work happening there. Uh, but the last couple months have been some back and forth between the architect in the county. Come on, somebody. How many know I could talk about that? But I'm not gonna. And uh, so I just want to give you an update. It's run a couple months slower than we thought, but I'm really excited that the order just went into American Steel. And so that's coming and uh, all the electrical equipment was ordered. And so we're looking, we're targeting August for a big groundbreaking service. And then uh, we'll be laying a pad and everything like that. So uh, I just want to give you an update that we were hoping to go a little quicker than this. But how many know in the building world, things are just a little slow right now. And so we appreciate your uh, patience in that, but uh, no big holdups right now. It feels like we have green lights all along the way and we're making space. But uh, one of the things we were dreaming about as a church is, okay, let's say we don't get into our new expanded space in Midlothian through maybe next Easter or Mother's Day or something like that, or June, July next year. Uh, what what do we do in the fall with, um, with growth and what do we do in January? We usually, as a church, hit two little peak seasons of people coming back um, just after vacation and everything like in August, September, and then January, February. And so, uh, so we are just trying to pray about how long do we leave people sitting in the lobby? Come on, lobby, wave at me. Uh, thanks for being there today. And, uh, and so we're just dreaming and praying, God, what do you want us to do in this? And, uh, so as a team, we felt like, you know what, we're, we're continuing to move forward. We got progress with the building, but because it's not going to be ready this fall, we needed to find a solution for us to keep making disciples and keep reaching people for Jesus. Jesus in Midlothian, okay? And so how many want to know what we're going to do? Come on, you want to know what we're going to do? Turn to the person next to you and tell them it's going to be good. Come on, it's going to be good. And take a look at the screen. Hey, everybody, I want to take a second and say thank you for your generosity. Because of your giving, we're moving forward with something we're calling next. That means this fall, you'll see expansion in Midlothian, foundation, steel going up, renovated kids and student space so we can make space for more people to worship, more kids to know Jesus, more families to be discipled. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But we know as we're making progress on the building, 
that we still got people sitting in overflow and and backed out into the lobby. And we are trying to figure out what do we do with that. We decided this fall we're going to do something about it. I'm so excited to announce the chapel is launching a brand new location. This will be our fourth location. Chapel Midlothian, Chapel in Scott's Edition, Chapel in Espanol. Ready for it? And the chapel in Mosley, Virginia. Mosley Elementary School this fall. One of the fastest growing parts of our city. West on Hall Street, all the new construction, expansion of neighborhoods everywhere, and God's calling us as a church to go into that neighborhood and reach that community. So if you live west on Hall Street, you have a heart for something new, for taking all we are as a church to that community, would you be a part of it? We're going to have the same dynamic worship, the same impacting kids ministry and preaching and community, all of who we are as a church planted right in the heart of Mosley, Virginia. Would you join us in praying? Would you join us in giving? Would you join us in serving as we step into all God has in this brand new launch of this brand new location? Come on, somebody. Chapel in Mosley. And uh, just write this down if you're interested in being a part of this. We're going to have two interest meetings, but the first one will be uh, Sunday night, July 9th. I'm just curious. I'm standing here in Midlothian. There may be some in Scott's edition, but probably more in Midlothian. If you live kind of in that general direction west on Hall Street, headed in that direction, just so I can know if anybody here, because it would be helpful if some of us live there, uh, Just raise your hand if you live in that general area. Come on, raise it up high, 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 high. Um, We're going to be okay. That makes me feel good. And and so um, we're praying about this. Um, We're believing God for two things will happen this fall. And that is we're believing God to send at least 200 people to to launch this thing and uh, to bring all of who we are. Maybe we can do more than that. I mean, that felt pretty strong to me today. Um, But uh, not only are we going to send some people to help us be a part of that, but then we'll be sending some people that will be serving. And so we're going to be calling all of us to jump. How many know when you send a worker, you got to fill a worker? Come on. And uh, so it'll be an all-in movement in our church to really push on the volunteer culture, serve culture of our church this fall. And uh, so just be praying for that, believing God for that. If you know anybody in in that general area going west on Hull Street, would you um, urge them to be a part of this? I think God's going to do something special, and uh, I'm believing God for it. And that's our hope that when September hits, come on, lobby, we won't have to sit in the lobby. We'll all be in the room together. And uh, so that's the plan. And not only do we get to do that, but we get to reach a whole part of our city that's growing. I don't know if you've been that way, but there's just lots of uh, houses going up there, and houses mean people, and people mean mean uh, kids and students, and the people, I think God, Jesus wants to reach some people there, and so would you be praying, serving, giving, thank you, thank you, thank you, I'm excited about all God's going to do, How, I, we didn't plan it like this, we thought we'd build a building before we expanded to other locations, but how many know you got to do what you got to do? And we're trusting God. We're trusting God. How many are thankful that God's going to go ahead of us? We sang it today. He's going to do what he's going to do. And um, so we're excited about it. Well, we're in this series on the Beatitudes, which is, uh, it starts the most famous sermon ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus sits on a hillside and the crowds are pressing in upon them and he teaches them kingdom principles, countercultural kingdom principles. How many know Jesus' uh, kingdom does not operate like the kingdoms of this world, right? 
And he's trying to teach them, if you're a follower of me, you're going you're gonna to live and act and talk and walk in a way that's different than the world around me. And so, But he starts that Sermon on the Mount with nine kind of kingdom principles, nine blessings. He says, blessed is. And then he quotes some kingdom principles of people who would follow God. That word blessed, we talked about a few weeks ago, could be translated happy or fulfilled or blessed. It's just somebody who's living in the center of God's blessing on their life. And he talks about what are the characteristics? What are the heart values? What are the, what's the lifestyle? What, what does somebody who goes after God, what does it look like? And these are countercultural. Jesus never came to fit into culture. How many know he came to transform culture? And, and so we're going to learn one today. And today's is, is like most of them really hard. I mean, uh, the ones we've been learning aren't easy, but, but they're good for us. And Jesus actually teaches us this principle. I want you to see it where we'll look at today. Blessed are the, come on, blessed are the, are the merciful for they will be shown mercy. And Jesus teaches us to be completely countercultural to the world around us. The world around us says if somebody makes a mistake, cancel them and write them off. How many know that's what the world says? Jesus says there's grace. Anybody grateful for grace today, right? Uh, the world around them says if somebody hits you, don't forgive them, hit them back. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. That's not how it should be in my kingdom. My kingdom should be about showing mercy even to those who don't deserve mercy and grace to those who don't deserve grace. And so we're going to talk today. I think it'll be really applicable today for how to be, how to be merciful to other people and how to, how to learn to forgive. And I'm really convinced in our world we've become great judges of other people's sin but lawyers of our own, right? And so, man, we, we, it's easy for us to judge other people. Did you hear what they, did, did you know who, did you know? And, and yet I think if the truth is told, sometimes Jesus warns us later in this, don't be like the person who sees a, a speck of sawdust in somebody else's eye, but has a big two by four in your own eye, Right. He says, first take the, the log out of your own eye, then you can help other people. And I'm convinced we live in a world that loves to judge other people, loves to assess other people, loves to, loves to cancel other people, but doesn't always want to look into ourselves. And so I want to talk to us today about, about how to be forgiving and how to be gracious. But Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. I just, I just wrote this down this week. I was just thinking, how many are grateful God's been merciful to you? You say, no, pastor, we're the people in church in the middle of summer. We're the righteous people. Okay, that's fine. But I, I, I wonder how many of us are just grateful that we don't get what we deserve. We get mercy, right? In fact, one preacher said grace is when God gives us what we don't deserve, which is his kindness. Mercy is when he doesn't give us what we do deserve which is judgment or correction or punishment, right? Have you ever been pulled over on the side of the road for speeding and they let you off with a warning, praise the Lord, you know what I mean? Mercy, you know. And that, that's, what, that's what Jesus is teaching us today, that we have been given mercy and oh, how merciful God has been to us. In fact, this is so crucial to this issue of giving mercy and learning to forgive that Jesus taught us to pray this in the prayer that he said, the Lord's Prayer, to pray every day. He said, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, okay? 
This is interesting to me that Jesus actually teaches us to forgive. He says, God, forgive me in the way that I forgive somebody else. That's pretty scary, isn't it? And Jesus teaches us to pray this in the everyday prayer. The uh, Pastor Paul Young Cho, he's passed away now, but he pastored the largest church in the world, Seoul, uh, Korea. He, uh, he, he, pre- he was preaching on this, learning to forgive other people and praying the Lord's Prayer to forgive them every day. And, and somebody said, do you really pray to forgive people every day? And Pastor Cho said, yeah, I, forgive to, I pray every day to forgive people. And one, somebody asked him, why do you have to pray every day to forgive people? And he said, because I hate so many people. I know he's exaggerating a little bit, but the, how many know in this world you will be offended? In this world you will be let down. In this world you'll have relationships that you, that you counted on fall apart and people wound you and betray you. And, and I think we need to learn to be people of mercy. And I think one of the reasons that we don't forgive other people is that we're not really clear on how much we've been forgiven. In fact, somebody said it this way. If we think we can earn God's forgiveness, then we'll make other people earn our forgiveness. But do you know today we can't earn God's forgiveness? He's done that for us in Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul says, but God's mercy is so abundant and his love for us is so great that while we were spiritually, come on, what? Spiritually dead, God saved us by his grace. I remember in New York, we were at the state fair. My daughter was throwing a little ping pong ball and it went in a little bowl. And guess what we won for a prize? A goldfish in a bag. Any parents ever had a goldfish in a bag? That feels, first of all, a very dangerous way to start its life in their new home. Here, kid, goldfish in the, you know, they're kind of, uh. But I remember a couple days later, that goldfish floating at the top of my little little tank and my daughter was very emotional saying is it dead and I probably shouldn't have lied I'm, I, that's a different sermon but I said I don't know if he's dead maybe he's just sleeping and she's like what do you mean maybe he's sleeping I was like maybe he misses his family maybe we should take him and give him back to his family and she's like how would we do that dad and I said well you know there's a river right near the house we could release him back to his family she's like let's do that we actually went down Riverside Drive in uh, Binghamton, New York, walked out on a bridge. I mean, it's like a 40-foot drop. I don't know. I was like, sweetie, we're going to release him to his family, okay? <laughs> Boom. And I was like, I think I saw him meeting his sisters down there and his brother. I think I did too, Dad. Okay. A couple years later, she said, Dad, you know, about that fish... Uh, we dropped it 40 feet off a bridge, <laughs> but don't, don't judge me because you want to know why. Uh, what was I going to do with this dead fish, right? <laughs> and yet, here's what the Apostle Paul says, that you and I spiritually, we weren't just in a problem. The Bible actually says we were spiritually dead. Jesus, in his mercy, came to us, catch this, when we could not come to him. That's what the gospel is. You and I could not get to him, but he got to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. And because of that, we've been forgiven and he brought us to life in Christ. And he says, it is by grace that you have been saved. I wonder if there are any people in this room in Midlothian or Scott's Edition or the prison that are just grateful for the grace of almighty God and the forgiveness we have. 
So that is the basis of forgiveness. But once we have been forgiven, here's the challenge. This is the principle to take away today. Once I realize I've been forgiven, I have no other option but to forgive. The forgiven forgive. And Jesus, in fact, told a story. He said, in fact, imagine somebody who's been forgiven this great debt and, and somebody lets it go. And yet they strangle somebody else who owes them a quarter. And he says, that's what happens. That's what it's like for you and I when we've been forgiven all these sins in front of a perfect God. And yet we're holding other people accountable. In fact, you know, in Jesus' prayer, not only does he teach us, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. But it's the only part of the Lord's prayer that he gives some commentary on. That he gives some description. Jesus is teaching us how to pray and then he kind of gives us a parenthetical thought. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you. Your heavenly father will also forgive you. Watch how strong these words are. But if you do not forgive others their sins. Your father will not forgive your sins. These are strong words. Here's what Jesus is teaching us today. That we should look to him in prayer. And say God I want you to treat me. Just like I treat the people who wrong me. I want you to forgive me in just the same manner and way that I forgive those who did me wrong. And this is going to involve you and I learning to love mercy. Learning not to just love. We live in a world that loves justice. But the church of Jesus Christ ought to be a place that loves mercy. In fact, if you're new here today and you say, I've had some mistakes. I've come into this church. I don't have it all together. What are the rules? I just want you to know you're in a room full of people that don't have it all together either. Come on. But we've just met the forgiveness of God in the face of Jesus. And so we aren't here to judge other people. We're just, we're just here to introduce them to the same good forgiver who forgave us, right? In fact, the prophet said, we got to get this in life. What does God want from us? What does he require us? Yeah, he wants us to, to act justly, but he also wants us to walk humbly. And he wants us to have a spirit that loves mercy. We ought to be a church that loves mercy. We ought to be a church that loves mercy. We ought to be a church that loves grace. We ought to be a church that loves grace and mercy. In fact, Paul said this should change the whole way we do ministry. He says we ought not think uh, of ourselves from a worldly point of view. We once regarded Christ that way. But if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new has come. And all this is from God. Watch this. Who reconciles us to himself through Christ. And because I've been reconciled through Christ, he gave us the ministry of what? He's reconciled me to God. Now we have the ministry of reconciling the world to Christ, not counting other people's sins against them. And he's committed to us. Here's the message of our church. Chapel, here's the message of our church to be a church that reconciles people to God and reconciles people to one another. So I'm not saying that forgiving other people or giving mercy means that you have to have the same relationship with somebody else, right? How many know if somebody wronged you, it's not wisdom to enter into deep trusting relationships sometimes with other people? Everybody understand that, right? So forgiveness is not trust, nor is it even necessarily the reinstatement of that relationship. But it is the willful laying aside a vengeful heart. And it is laying aside the desire to get even with that person and trusting it to God. And can we just admit it's hard? <laughs> we don't like it. I was in elementary school when um, a friend of mine, his name was Christian Fergali, stole my Elmer's glue. 
I know this because I had a mom. My mom was the one who had the school list and she bought everything. And I know it was my glue because my mom made me put my initials on all my school supplies. And I remember still, you say, how do you remember that, Pastor? I remember putting BS on every school supply I had. We had a desk for some of the supplies, but some of the supplies were in the back, and that was where Christian Fergali, that's where I put my second Elmer glue. I had a glue stick in my desk and a glue bottle in the back, and Christian took my bottle of glue, and I knew it was my bottle because when I didn't have a bottle of glue, I knew I had one, and I realized when you could see the area that he had smudged and erased the BS on the little the little uh, wrapper, on the, and I could see him. Does it feel like I still haven't forgiven him today? Day. and I couldn't prove it it wasn't right you know what a year or two later he left our elementary school I didn't see Christian for golly till I was 21 years old and we all of a sudden saw each other in Syracuse New York Brandon <laughs> he just hugs me shakes hand how you been he so I thought this is what we're gonna do <laughs> after what we've been through we're just gonna avoid it I'm standing there looking at him, 21 years old, haven't seen the kid in like 10 years, and all I can think in the back of my mind is you, you're not even going to own up to the glue you stole from me, bro. I don't understand it. I don't want anything to do with you. I, I, I Tell me, how's your life been? I hope it's been horrible, because the wages of sin, my brother, are death. <laughs> and I literally, I didn't bring it up. I, I probably should have, and today I'm going to let the Lord take that off of me. But I don't know where in the world a decade later some tiny little experience in my elementary school surfaced in my heart except I had not forgiven him. And, and that is a tiny, simple, little, dumb example. But how many would admit it's hard to forgive, isn't it? In fact, sometimes you even think you've done it, and it's like, it's like getting a stain out of a carpet. It just comes back a few months later, right? You're like, where? I thought I handled that. I got to do it again. And, and here's what C.S. Lewis says. Why should we forgive others? Because to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable. Here's why. Because God has forgiven the inexcusable in me. And if God has forgiven me so greatly, I've got to forgive other people. So let me give you just two or three things real quick before we're done today. Two or three kinds of people that we are called to show mercy to. Here's the first group today. We're called to show mercy to those who make mistakes. How many know we'll be surrounded by people in life who make mistakes, right? In fact, Jesus told us what kind of ministry he dealt with people. It says, look at how my servant acts, whom I've chosen. Here's how Jesus operated. He's my beloved who pleases me. Look at this. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. I love these words. This is one of my favorite New Testament verse. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. In the ancient world, a reed was a a thin plant, almost as thin as a straw, and it went up high, and if you bumped into it, you could break it in half or cause it to lean. It was easily damaged plant. And Jesus said, when I look at people who are going through struggles in life, I'm careful with them. He says, like a candle that's barely, barely uh, burning anymore. I don't just... I don't just, I, I work with people and I'm, aren't you grateful that Jesus is kind with people in broken moments of life? Here's what he's saying. I don't just mow people over. I don't just impose myself on other people. He was a God of mercy. He operated with a sense of kindness. 
He operated with a sense of grace. He was trying to teach us, Jesus was, that, that he wasn't just one who crushed others. That he wasn't one who was just always pushing judgment. He understood that mercy triumphs over judgment. Now listen, I'm not saying we don't believe in right and wrong and sin and righteousness. How many know there is a, such a thing as sin, right? And, and, and Jesus, the Bible gives us clarity on all that, absolutely. Here's all I'm saying. As a church, we not only preach truth, we measure it with a dose of grace, right? That we don't just push. You ever met the, the truth-only Christian? They are fun to have at a barbecue, I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. You know, they're pushing, pushing, pushing. And, and here's what Jesus is trying to teach us. No, there will be people that disappoint you. How many know there will be people that disappoint you? Anybody been disappointed this year, this week, today, right? You're like, this sermon so far, I'm halfway, you know. <laughs> Shame on you. And, uh, and Jesus teaches us to have mercy. Mercy not only when people just make mistakes, but mercy on other people. And this is true in life. They're going to be people who just flat out let us down. They just do the wrong thing. They just don't accomplish the right thing in their own life. In fact, whenever somebody comes to our church and they have a lot of questions about, is this a healthy church? Is this a healthy church? I always try to tell them, I think this is a healthy church, but it is not a perfect church. And so if you, will somebody hurt your feelings eventually? I'm sure. You know, like somehow we'll disappoint you in some way. And here's the problem. If it was a perfect church, you wouldn't be allowed because you don't look too perfect to me. You know what I'm saying? And Jesus knew what it was like. In fact, think of Jesus, even in his worst moment, he's lived a perfectly righteous life and he's been being beaten and, and he's going through the worst moment of his life. Look at his spirit. Father, what? Forgive them. And he doesn't even say, he says, they, they don't fully know what they're doing. I'm picturing in this moment Jesus who has been denied and betrayed and accused and rejected and abused and humiliated. And in the moment when he should have just called down the angels and evaporated everybody with fire, right? He, he didn't do any of that. He said, Father, forgive them. And how do I know he had the power to do that? Because you remember in the garden when they came and they said, is this the one? He said, I am he. Anybody remember what happened to all the Roman soldiers? He had the ability to go like this. And just the whole crowd's finished like a tornado comes out of his mouth. How many know that's what I would have used? I would have been like lightning, tornado. What does he do on the cross? Something so countercultural. Father, forgive them. You know, here's the danger with unforgiveness. It doesn't hurt other people. How many know it really hurts us? In fact, Max Lucado said, unfaithfulness is wrong and revenge is bad. But the worst part of it all is that without forgiveness, bitterness is all you have left. And when you don't learn to forgive other people and you're just holding in your, in your heart unforgiveness, it's hurting you, not other people. I'm not saying that, because I think we have this idea, well, if I forgive somebody, it's saying what they did was okay. How many know forgiving somebody is not saying what they did is okay? It's not reinstating the, the relationship. It's not restoring trust in them. It's none of that. It's just letting a prisoner go free and saying, God, I relinquish my desire to get even with that person and I turn them into you, okay? And what it does is it sets us free because bitterness weighs us down. Bitterness hurts us. Bitterness makes the journey for us. It clogs up the inside of the gears of our life, not somebody else's life. And I'm telling you, this is one of those sermons that if you miss this one, it'll ruin your life. 
because Jesus says that the enemy gets a hold of our life. Anybody remember the old Polaroid cameras? You remember those, right? You take a picture and what happens out of the front of it comes this picture. You remember what you do with the picture? Come on, somebody, show me what you do. I think that is what the enemy does with painful circumstances of our life. He takes a snapshot of it. And what I think is a lot of Christians are just holding the film going like this, saying, you see how bad this was? You see how hurt I was, you see? And it takes a snapshot of time, but here's what happens. Instead of just allowing that hurt moment to exist in a moment of time, you drag it into your future. And how many know bitterness then doesn't just control us, it controls our future. It sets a trap for us. It ruins the peace of our own soul. Bitterness lets somebody else live rent-free in the house of our mind, right? They're just living in the house of their mind. I mean, just I'm seeing Christian Fergali after a decade, and all I can think about is Elmer's glue, you know. And some of you today have had circumstances so much more serious than that trivial one. And you're saying, well, how do I do it? Well, God calls us to learn that, that bitterness ruins us on the inside. All right, let me give you two more. Everybody got time for two more peeps, people that we should forgive? All right, here it is. Here's the second, the third group. We're called to show mercy to those who are far from God. I just want to say something quick on this. It always surprises me when Christians get surprised that non-Christians act like non-Christians. They're like, did you hear how they talk? Did you hear how they believe? It's like they're not a follower of Jesus. How many know people that aren't followers of Jesus act like they're not followers of Jesus? And Jesus, what did he do in Luke 15? He got close to sinful people. We say this as a church. We are unapologetically trying to lift up the name of Jesus and the truth of God. But we are unapologetically trying to be friends with people that are far from God so that they can know the forgiveness that is God's, right? In fact, you're here today, you're saying, I don't even know where I'm at in my faith journey. That's fine. We're going to preach the truth of God's word. But our hope is that you'll find a non-judgmental. Like we were a mess before God got a hold of us. And then he got a hold of us. In fact, I find this true of Jesus that he always connected before he corrected, right? This is probably some pretty good parenting advice too, right? You know, he always corrected. Or no, he didn't. <laughs> I can't even get it straight. Just always correct. Whatever you do, just go into every room, just correct them. They'll love you for it. <laughs> he always connected. Before he corrected. I'm not saying you don't get to the correction. I'm just saying until there's a, 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 a I can't get, and you know what I'm saying. I'm going to change the words. Until he has a relationship with them. In fact, Luke 15, he tells the story of the parable of the prodigal son because they call him a friend of sinners who eats with tax collectors and prostitutes and those far away from God. But he said, this is why I came. I didn't come for the righteous, but the unrighteous. I, this, the healthy don't need a doctor, but the sick need a doctor. And I've come to be a physician of the soul to show grace and mercy. We are a church that exists to help people who are far away from God have a relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That's what we're all about. It's one of my favorite things about VBS, okay, is you look at stats, people who are following Jesus. So many of us made decisions for Jesus when we were kids, right? Watch this. If you're in the room here, Scott's edition, and you made your decision for Jesus before the age of 20, raise your hand, before the age of 20. Guess what that means? That one of the most mission-oriented things we can do is VBS, and when I saw the amount of goldfish that there were in the other room this week, 
I started thinking, how much did those goldfish cost? That's honestly the sinful thought I had. I said, why do we even have to feed them anyways? There's a lot of goldfish, like a lot. Like, shouldn't they be vegan or something? You know, like. And then I thought to myself, this is mission. This is missions money, these goldfish. Because every year, a couple, I mean, at least I think 100 kids will place their faith in Jesus Christ. At a young age, we want to introduce them to Jesus, don't we? Because it'll change their whole life forever. In fact, that's one of the things I'm so thankful about for your generosity. We never even charge for, for VBS. We just have, and kids come, and there's a, there's a spirit of rejoicing. And, just, and I'm believing God that God's going to reach. I'm telling you, if there's ever been a season in our world to fight the schools and the light, I'm telling you, if there's ever been a season to fight for this generation how many know this is the season to fight for this generation that's what we do as a church all right here's the last one we show mercy here's the last one now this one i just want to make sure because i think i think there's sometimes people who can forgive other people but they aren't fully able to accept the grace of god we are to show mercy for ourselves okay some people are say i can forgive other people but you live with condemnation how many know there's a difference between conviction and condemnation Conviction is when God brings up my sins so that I can repent of it and find forgiveness. Condemnation is when the devil reminds me of my sin so that I think it's labeling me of my future. And the truth is, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Ephesians 1, 7, in him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins, right? Some of us maybe feel like the psalmist when you say, no, 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 I feel like I'm drowning in the flood of my sins. Feels like a burden too heavy to bear. Because I'm foolish. Like it's nobody else's fault but mine that I made this mistake. And I'm feeling because of my own sin that I'm literally almost worn out and utterly crushed. My heart is troubled within me. Maybe that's somebody here today. And here's the truth of God. You either give your life to Jesus and know his forgiveness or you remind yourself of the gospel. Preach it to yourself in a brand new way so that you can live, embrace, and know the forgiveness that is ours in Christ Jesus, right? We have been forgiven. We have been forgiven. I was back in out of my driveway yesterday, and I live on my driveway's kind of a hill. And uh, my daughter knocked off my driver's side mirror in the van, and uh, it's just not there. Like it's not there. And the other day I was bringing it up, and she said, "You bring up the, that I'm." messed up the van a lot and I said okay I said well you never asked for forgiveness you know and somehow it's just every time you know just little things happen to she said okay well then will you forgive me for uh knocking the mirror off the van and I said you know what because you asked I will forgive you and uh yesterday I was backing down and I was trying to look at the rearview mirror to see if I was going to hit the lawn and it wasn't there so I had to look in this mirror like an animal. You know what I mean? Like, And I was about to say to her, and I thought to myself, no, 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 no. You said you forgave her. And one day she's going to have a kid and God will make it right. And uh, so just give grace. 
telling you, some of us have a temptation to dig up things that God's buried. I love Psalm 103. It says, here's how far God's removed our sin from us. As far as the east is from the west. That means you start walking this way and this way into space. They never touch. Meaning that he, it is not something he reminds us of. And, and some of us have known the disappointment of our own sin. And I'm just here to tell you again today, be reminded of the forgiveness of God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord forgives those who fear him. There is forgiveness that we have because of Jesus Christ. And let me just say it one step stronger. How in to the cross of Jesus when we think his cross wasn't big enough to handle our conscience. It's almost a human pride. No, no, no. I, I don't receive your forgiveness. I have to fight for it and clamor for it and scrape for it. No, no, no. You're a child receiving the good gift of your father in the cross, right? And we can be forgiven. And guess what? Forgiven people forgive. Guess what? Forgiven people what? Come on. Forgiven people forgive forgiven people i think today some of us are just gonna have to make a moment to say god i'm trusting you with a hurtful experience with a painful moment of my past and i'm trusting you in this season god to take it away remove it from me and give me the freedom that comes from forgiveness it'll be like dropping a, a bag of bricks that you're carrying it'll be just releasing that to the Lord. Would you bow with me all over this room? Scott's edition in the lobby. If you're here this weekend, you don't even know if you have a relationship with God or maybe you've wandered away from it and today you say, Pastor, I'm not even sure where I'm at with the Lord. Would you pray for me today? I won't embarrass you, but I would love to just pray for you right where you're seated. Just say, I'm not sure where I'm at in my own relationship with God. I need forgiveness myself. Just raise your hand all over this room and say, pray for me. Yes. Are there others? Yes. Yes. Are there others? Pray for me. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes. Young lady, proud of you for that. Yes, sir. I see that. Are there others? Pray for me, pastor. I'm not sure where I'm at in my own relationship with God today I need to get right with him right where you're seated you just say Jesus I believe you died on a cross I believe you rose from the dead and today I give you all of my sin all of my pain all of my brokenness forgive me I pray live inside of me be my Lord and the Savior of my life if you're here today and you say pastor there's someone I need to forgive It's hard, but today I need to give a situation over to God. That's you. That's the second group. You say there's someone I need to forgive. Just pop your hand up quick and put it right back down all over this room. Yeah, I mean, so many. God, you see our hands. You see our hearts. You see our hurts. But God, you have forgiven us so much. You have forgiven the inexcusable in us. So we're making a decision today to forgive the inexcusable that's been done to us. God, we're making the decision, but we're so aware that we need more than just our human volition. We need a sweeping power of your Holy Spirit to help enable and enact and implement what we're trying to do. So we surrender, God. We're reminded again of Jesus, so merciful, so gracious, grace so deep. And God, we're letting some hurts go. We're going to stand up in just a second, God, lighter, freer, more fully tasting 
your forgiveness and more fully giving it to others. For we pray it in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen. Come on, let's stand together in this room, in the lobby, in Scott's edition. The journey of forgiveness.